Hey guys, welcome to my ninth episode of B Plus Thoughts. And today I wanted to bring on somebody, one of my friends, one of my uh, close co-workers, or she used to work with me, but not anymore. Um, her name is Erica Bowen, so I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Erica Bowen, and I've known B for about a year. I teach with him in the Clark County School District. I have been a teacher for 24 years, and I did most of that in California. And then my husband and I relocated to Las Vegas about a year and a half ago. Uh, we wanted a change. So um, I'm enjoying the heat of Las Vegas. <laughs> And this is Erica, and the reason I feel confident enough or comfortable enough to have her on an, a podcast episode is because I've grown close to her. Um, me and her are kind of the same person, even though we have different backgrounds, we're different ages, that doesn't really matter. But we we always have gotten along, and she was my work bestie when she worked with me, but now she doesn't. <laughs> but we're here to talk about her her life story um not necessarily her life story but just her family and we wanted to just share because we feel like this is important to just talk about because often enough uh special needs um families and their stories don't get shared enough and we don't think about it too much um, because i know for example so erica's son is on the spectrum he has autism and I know from experience, and I can't really say because uh, no one in my family is on the spectrum, but I have volunteered for camps in the summer that are for kids with autism and families. Um, they're all welcome. And I've experienced, I've seen a lot of things that, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy um, raising a child with autism and me just volunteering it was it was difficult i'm not going to lie it was difficult because there were a lot of challenges um things that we're not used to in in life sometimes or we're not exposed to sometimes and it was just a great experience to see that and you can see definitely a different level of appreciation for families who go through that or um, just the individuals who deal with it so I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask you, Erica. So your son, Jake, mm -hmm. he is on the spectrum. He has autism. Yes. At what age did you have Jake? Um, I had Jake when I was 41. No, I'm sorry, 42. And I had just turned 43 after, so I had him late in life. Um, we started to notice um some difficulties actually my husband started to notice when he turned a year old that he wasn't hitting milestones that he should have because he has children um, from a previous marriage um and at 12 months jake had all his milestones but by 15 months he was missing some milestones but by 18 months he had none of his milestones and it was at that point that we noticed as well that he stopped talking um he started off with some words and then all of a sudden just stopped and we thought 
uh, that it might be attributed to all of his ear infections and he got tubes in his ears but once he got the tubes in his ears he still didn't start talking again and we noticed the isolation and we noticed the um going in patterns t doing the same pattern in the house running back and forth and spinning the car wheels round and round so we first um, got him into speech therapy when he was roughly 18 months and it was at that point my husband said you know I think we might want to look at autism and I said huh really what nah you're, no, I don't, not, you don't know what you're talking about. And it was soon after that that I actually had to stay home with Jake for a sick day. And I just kind of sat there and just watched him and thought, huh, maybe. So we got him diagnosed. And during that process, I was very nervous um, because at that point he was tantruming a lot and melting down because we didn't know how to deal with you know, what he was going through. And I got to the point where I was nervous that they wouldn't give him a diagnosis. And if they didn't give him a diagnosis, then what was going on? I mean, we can't be that cuckoo. Um, so it came back that at 23 months, he was diagnosed on the spectrum. He was diagnosed as a severe three, um, which I guess is, it's on a scale of one, two, and three. Um, and it was very hard, um, but at the same time, it was a relief knowing that, yes, we weren't going crazy, that, you know, there was something that was different. And for a little bit, you know, we mourned not having a neurotypical child, but I've since changed my thinking to where, you know, this is, he is just simply amazing. You know, he's different, but he's amazing. Um, there have been a lot of struggles. Um, he was initially nonverbal. Now I would consider him limited verbal. Um, he is doing the echolalia where he will repeat things um, that you say to him and occasionally he will talk on his own. Um, I think he's also just stubborn where he'll talk when he wants to. <laughs> he just doesn't want to because usually he's very persistent and can get his needs met. And I think sometimes that's a downfall as us as parents that we um, don't make them do things for themselves that will just automatically do it and I think it's you know any kid you know it's just easier to do it for them and not allow them to be independent and I've always said I want him to be as independent as possible um I'm noticing though we moved schools this year and I'm really liking his teacher because he's helping to make him more independent and um so last night he's getting the whole juice carton out of the fridge because he wants juice opening the dishwasher because he wants a glass out of the dishwasher and it's just like wow it's just you know 
And that teacher is really pushing him to be more independent. And I'm really grateful for that because that's something that I am struggling with, even though I'm a teacher and I know better. But it's extremely different when it's your own child because you don't want to see them struggling. You want to do things for them and make it all better. Um, but yeah, it's been a... It's been a long road. It's been, I mean, I wouldn't change anything, um, but it's definitely been hard. When he was initially diagnosed, everybody's like, what are you talking about? He's not autistic. He's fine. He'll grow out of it. I learned very quickly, you got to go with your gut. You know, you can't just listen to people, you know, when they say, oh, no, 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 because they don't want to hear it. Even my own dad didn't want to hear it, which I thought was ironic because um, I have a nephew who is on the spectrum as well. And I don't know, you know, why that was an issue. But since then, he's, you know, had no problem accepting him and, you know, just loving on him and all that. But um, it is... It is difficult, but I wouldn't, you know, trade it for anything. You, you like to, you get excited for the little things that a lot of times neurotypical parents take for granted, you know, when they smile at you because he doesn't, he laughs, but he doesn't always smile at you anymore. And, um, just affection and cuddles and things like that. Um, that's not something that I take for granted. I, um, I'm very grateful when I get them. I was telling, uh, B not too long ago that Jake was sick and, um, you know, I can't comfort him. He just, he has to be in that right mood. I can't, you know, like soothe him. He wants to self-soothe, which a part of me is glad. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to see your baby in pain. You want to help them. And he's gotten better as he's gotten older with that. But he still, you know, um, has has a ways to go. I'm, I can't wait to see, you know, what he accomplishes in life and um, what he's going to be capable of. Um, I can't wait. I'm just, you know, waiting for the day that he, you know, will tell me a full sentence or there's times where he kind of argues with me and I'm like, yes, I want you to argue with me. Okay, I really don't, but, <laughs> you know, that's progress. You know, you're telling me no or, you know, what have you. So, um. I just take comfort in the the little things and I have to look for different ways to know that, you know, he loves me. Whereas he doesn't tell me, he shows me and he's definitely shown me how to be a better parent and how to be, I think basically, you know, a better human being and to, you know, listen to those cues and not just take everything for granted. So thank you for sharing a bit of that. And I know from experiences, it's not easy. It's not easy being a parent just from all the conversations I've had. So all the camps that I've done in in the summer before COVID, of course, thank you, COVID, for shutting all that down. Um, there are camps, camps out there and there's programs everywhere. You just have to find them where 
you know, families can look for some something to do, some kind of program. For example, the summer camps mm -hmm. that kids stay overnight for three to four days. And it's not necessarily for the parents to. Yes, it's, it's to give the parents a little bit of a break because it's stressful. But it's also a great opportunity for uh, kids on the spectrum to go and socialize with mm -hmm. other kids on the spectrum to give them that social aspect that, you know, often enough the real world doesn't offer them yes um because i know f i know for a fact that no humans are perfect and anything and some of us don't know how to handle certain situations so i've seen situations in school where where they're excluded often enough socially or other kids they're still not developed enough to be to think appropriately or make the appropriate right choices when it comes to uh, when they associate themselves or come in contact with someone who who's on the spectrum mm -hmm. so it's often difficult enough and these camps definitely help that and speaking to the parents they are so grateful for that social interaction mm -hmm. because it gives them that time to just have fun be kids leave the real world behind because the real mm -hmm. world sucks sometimes i'm not trying to sound depressing but it does mm -hmm. and it gives them that time to not worry about anything. Go swimming, do arts and crafts, be with a group of people who accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love camp. And also, there's also this parents' night out thing that <laughs> that we do is where parents sign up for it and they drop their um, their kid off right there at this at the, it's like a warehouse and there's a whole bunch of volunteers and we run this little mini camp like once it, before COVID we had this often, but. They, they would stay over there. We would have a movie. We would have different activities. It was a little movie. It was a little mini camp. So it was fun. And parents got a little break. They got to take their date night or something. Something that they usually don't have because they always have a lot on their hands. Um, so that little break for the parents. I know they're appreciative of that. And before when I first volunteered, you know, I always wondered, oh, my goodness, this must, this must take like a toll. And it does take a toll on parents. And I always thought that I associated you know stress with parents not being regretful of their life mm. and that's not the case i'm like most of the parents i've seen or talked to they show more love than i've ever seen from anybody who has neurotypical children they care for them so much and they show they show it all and and that's why i love that being around that community and volunteering because I get to see that and it makes me a better person. I'm not saying I'm perfect, no one's perfect, but you get to live different experiences and see how life is through other people's eyes. Um, so I wanna talk about now, how did, did this take a toll on you? I know you mentioned when he was diagnosed, you know, you were, at first you were kinda in denial, but then you started seeing more, you know, milestones being missed. Did it ever take a toll on you in terms of when it came to your family or or your husband? Mm -hmm. How did it affect you? Did you isolate yourself because you were, was there any depression or anxiety involved? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely took a toll on uh, my marriage because it's very um, challenging to say the least and all the different care that uh jake needed and all the different therapies that we were going to back when we lived in california um unfortunately because 
we moved here to Vegas and haven't had a chance to get him into any services due to COVID, um, we really haven't been, you know, experiencing that. So that's actually kind of lightened the load, but it definitely puts a strain when you have to put your child first and, you know, put your own relationship on the back burner um, and, you know, do what's best for them and then having stepkids. Um, that too was a strain as well. Uh, they were old enough that they could help, but sometimes they weren't always that helpful. <laughs> they wanted to be, but not always. Um, and there are times, even today, my husband and I don't see eye to eye. Um, I'm the first time parent, and I think that my husband, who now Jake is his third child, is more protective and worrisome than I am. You know, I would love to expose Jake to those camps and different kind of things. And But my husband is very fearful because he has special needs. He uh, doesn't want him venturing as much. I know he wants him to be independent, but he's having a harder time letting go. Um, I think because of Jake's special needs. Um, and, you know, that's also taken a toll as we've moved to Vegas. We haven't built up that um, friend base to where we can, you know, say, hey, could you watch Jake so we can go out and do something? Um, because my husband has been like, well, he's just very nervous opening up to new people and allowing them to, you know, take care of our son. And, and I am too, I get that. I get that. But, you know, I definitely wouldn't leave my son with anyone I didn't trust. But it also comes to a point where, you know, we need us time, you know, it's, we need to walk away and regroup and de-stress so that we can be better parents for Jake. Um, I mean, I have no other experience as far as kids go. I mean, I have stepkids, but I think that in and of itself is a different nutshell because I only have so much say with my stepkids. And that's where a lot of our arguments came in uh, when we had Jake because he's like, well, you didn't act like this with the other kids. Well, that's because the other kids weren't mine and I really didn't get a say so I would put my two cents in and you know that would be it sometimes he would listen sometimes he w wouldn't but I had no control over that I do have control over Jake because he is mine so um there are definitely struggles with you know relationships and and I hope that in the end it's making us stronger um you know, I don't know. This is my first marriage. I, we've been married 11 years. First and, we, and only. Hopefully. Yes, first and only. <laughs> and we've been together for 14 years. So, you know, I'd like to say it's making us stronger, you know. I don't know. Time will tell. We have no plans on, you know, calling it quits. Um, 
but it, it definitely is stressful with neurotypical and, you know, um, kids on a spectrum, you know, but you got to take that break sometimes and do that self care. Thank you. So another thing that I wanted to talk about is I know parents, um, even parents with neurotypical children, you know, it's a hard thing to get that. I know they want them to socialize, but they, we all know how the school system is. And when they're in school, they could possibly get bullied or they're put in social groups where, you know, it's not right for them. They'll make the right or the bad, the wrong choice. Um, so how much as a parent of someone who is on the spectrum, how much does it worry you uh, having, as Jake gets older, like you said, being more independent and making choices for himself? How how do you think socially he would do? Or are there any concerns that you have with society right now that would make you worried about Jake growing older and being more independent? Um, you know, that's a good question. I guess I haven't really, I'm kind of like thinking in the now. Um, I mean, I'm thinking long terms in where I want to make him as independent as possible. But right now, I guess I'm not as concerned with the bullying, um, because he is in the autism program here in Las Vegas. Um, so I guess I know he's sheltered in a way I mean I know he's going to deal with the other children in the playground on the playground and in the cafeteria um but I feel very safe that you know that's not an issue at this time um I've been telling everybody well um they're asking what are your plans for teaching and I said well I'm going to be here at this school until Jake goes to middle school because I don't want to do middle school teaching. So what am I going to do at that point? I think at that point, my anxiety is going to be through the roof because he's not going to be with me at my school or when my husband was teaching, he was with my husband. Um, and that's going to definitely play a different part in how I'm going to think. Right now, I think I'm just kind of burying my head in the sand and thinking everything is okay when honestly, I really don't know. I mean, I think he is. I'm not hearing that he's being bullied. Um, But I wouldn't know either because of him being limited verbal. You know, he wouldn't be able to express that verbally to me. I mean, I know he can express it with his actions, but what I actually know, I don't know. It's very hard unless I were to see it in action or one of his teachers were to see it and let me know. So I'm trusting that right now it's okay. But I do worry about that in the future. And the only reason I ask that question is because I know how society is. Mm-hmm. I know we all have to fit in a box not necessarily there's you know we all create our own image of what who we want to be what we want to be uh but i asked that question because i know you get judged if you're something different than what the norm is considered to be for example if you're gay people can look down on you if you're if you're a lesbian if you're anything that's not normal if you're on the spectrum if if you just 
look different than others you're judged so that's that's why i asked that question and if you worry about that because i know that can be an issue sometimes Mm -hmm. um and then lastly i think the last question that i want to ask is how do you what what do you think goes on in the mind of someone on the spectrum is that something you have thought about or do you think it's just the same as any neurotypical person just with different social aspects missing or what do you think you know that's a very interesting question i honestly don't know i find myself um reading different books and watching different documentaries because i am very interested to know um what people on the spectrum think because with my son he's not very verbal so i don't know what he's thinking you know why why does he do what he does you know why does he stim why does he um hit his hand on his stomach it's all very interesting to me and so i tend to look for i guess it's older people on the spectrum so that they can uh verbalize you know what it is they're experiencing i read a book from a um japanese boy who was on the spectrum and how when you flap your no i'm sorry not flap your hands but when you wave your hands in the air towards the light how it's the way the light goes through your hands that is what they're doing that for and i thought that was just very interesting that's not something as a neurotypical person i would even think of um but i'm just i want to know more and and it could be that you know neurotypically he's you know doing the same thing but that he's just you know overstimulated with those senses um i also not too long ago watched a documentary about young kids on the spectrum dating and they seem to have the same problem that neurotypicals do you know it just because you know they're on the spectrum it doesn't make them uh different it's just they experience it differently and and i think just that social awkwardness they have a bit of a hard time but they still experience you know those same things i would love to know you know what my son is thinking and um i can't wait for that day where he can express it and i hope that day comes um so that i can know you know how to help him better and you know just what it is he's going through that would be a very big thing and i only ask that question because i i feel like it's important i've experienced things where i've had conversations with those who are on the spectrum that it's interesting to really get into what actually goes on in their mind, how they think, how they think about social situations, how they interact with others. And everybody's different. Again, everybody on the spectrum, they're all different. Everyone is, they do things differently, just like all of us humans, we're all different. Uh, and it's very interesting because there was one, there was this one, uh, he was a teenager, um, but I remember I went to a summer camp and he if i gave him any date in in time 
Like, mind you, not not anything like, oh, what day did this fall on? May 17th, 1952. No, not that far back. But if you told him anything, if you asked him, hey, what what day did, let's say, for example, October 13th fall in, in 1995? That kid knew the day. And I would look it up on my phone and he was correct. And it's just interesting things like that. What goes on in their mind? How do they think? Mm-hmm. Why do they do the things that they do? And how do they see it? Um, so I think that's just interesting. That's something interesting that we can all just keep on looking at. Mm-hmm. And you also reminded me that my nephew, who's also on the spectrum, he's 19. And he is super amazing with um, sports statistics. Ask him anything and he'll be able to tell it to you. And I'm just like looking at him in awe. But yet, you know, I don't know. He's not very verbal when it comes to his feelings and expressing himself. And um, I wish my brother would be more accepting of him on the spectrum. And I don't personally feel that he is. I thought it would be a good thing when my son was born and we discovered that he too was on the spectrum, that it would encourage my brother to um, get my nephew more support. And unfortunately, now that my nephew is over 18, it all has to be my nephew's decision. And, you know, of course, he doesn't want to be different. So, um, he doesn't want to do that, but I would really love to know if he would open up to me, you know, how his brain works and how is it he knows all those sports statistics, especially football. He loves football. No, I agree. I always want to understand, you know, because I think differently than other people. Some people, the things that I find interesting, they're kind of like, uh, <laughs> you're a little weird. But but I think that's the main that's the main thing about this is just how how do we know why we do what we do as human beings? We're all different. Today's topic was just talking about, you know, how you deal with um how your family looks and in general how do you feel about it how does it feel um, having a child who is on the spectrum and we all just want to understand different aspects different viewpoints of of just a family that's human Mm -hmm. and how different it can look for everybody else so i want to thank you for uh coming on to this episode uh we wanted to talk about that now we have a little more and then we could always do more research on hey what's going on um and i know i would love to look into everything that you just mentioned today Mm -hmm. um just so i can get a better idea even though i do volunteer and all that and i've done it for about 10 years Mm -hmm. there's still more that i can learn about that because it's interesting we all i Mm -hmm. I don't know it's just interesting to learn about to experience um so thank you erica for being on this podcast episode you are very welcome thank you for having me and i would love to um do this again and you know dig deeper um i'm constantly wanting to learn more and you know i want to be the best parent i can to help my son in the best way possible i 
agree. I agree. So thank you again for all you listening as well. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast episode, episode number nine. Um, and if you guys hear music in the background, uh, there's it's not mine, but it's music. So if it helps with the episode, then perfect. But if not, that's okay. So thank you for listening to this episode. Please like, share, give me feedback, whichever one. I would greatly appreciate it. And stay tuned for my 10th episode. I'll see you guys soon.